Welcome to the Grace City Church Podcast, where we believe that Jesus died to reconcile us to God, to others, and to make us reconcilers. We're so glad you're here, and we pray that wherever you're watching, God is doing transforming work in you through this message. I don't think I introduced myself. I haven't met you yet. My name is David. I get to serve as community pastor here. Um, I'm excited as we continue in the book of Mark. Did anybody catch that this wasn't the immediate next text? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I had one person say yes last service, like 12 this service. Great. Um, Pastor Plunk preached last week through the first half of chapter three, the calling of the 12 disciples. Uh, it's not that we don't like the second half of chapter 3. We actually do. We liked it so much that we preached it two months ago. Uh, so if you are interested in hearing a sermon on the second half of chapter 3, and I would definitely encourage you to go back and, and listen to it, uh, it was the third week of our Breaking Through series uh, on family baggage. Jesus is interacting with his family in his hometown, and then he interacts with the religious leaders, and then back again with his family, and, uh, and it's complicated, right? Because family's complicated. Actually, it would have been a great week for, for a sermon on family, because uh, family is complicated sometimes, um, even Jesus's. So um, if you are interested, and I would encourage you, go back and listen to, uh, to the uh, sermon that Pastor Plunk preached back in that series on the second half of Mark 3. But we will uh, move on to, to chapter, chapter 4. <clears throat> Let me pray. And, uh, oh, great. Let's start. Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather under your word. We want to submit to it. As always, you have the authority. We're just acknowledging it. This is your time and your space and your people and your word. And we invite you to do what you want. Come have your way. Reach each one of us where we are. Help us to know you and to see you for your glory and our good. Amen. <clears throat> so one of the main themes of the book of Mark as we've been going through this, through this series really is displayed in our graphic that we, that we have up there. Shout out to our comms team. Um, y'all, y'all recognize? Y'all, do y'all know what that is? Y'all see it? Yeah, a fingerprint. A fingerprint. Which... Which means what? What, what, is, what is a finger, why, why, why would we have a fingerprint as a graphic for this series? What, it, what can you tell by a fingerprint? Yeah. Yeah, Fab said it. Identity. I mean, if you grew up, or, or now, if you watch anything where they're trying to figure out a crime or solve a problem, the one thing that you have to find is the fingerprint. Once you have the fingerprint, then you know who it is. You have the identity. You know what happened. And that's really what Mark is, is doing. He gives us a 16-chapter-long fingerprint of who Jesus is. It is overwhelmingly clear, both in how he reveals and conceals and how the story is being told and how Jesus interacts with people, that Mark is writing this so that we would know who Jesus is. We might be saying, no, I, I know who Jesus is. Yes, but we need to know who Jesus is to continue to have him reveal his identity to us. This is the one that we are saying, you can give up everything 
for him. It would be wise of us to know exactly who that is. If, if we're just one degree off by the end of our lives, we're worshiping something that doesn't even look like him, right? We need to know who he is. His identity has changed the world. We need to get it right or we're not worshiping the God who came to live and die and resurrect and save us. We're worshiping some image that we've created on our own. We need him to reveal himself. This is why Mark is writing. This is what we hope. This has been my hope, my prayer since we started this series is that Jesus would reveal himself to us. That, that the ways that we have created an identity of him or a picture of him in our mind that it doesn't line up with who he really is, that he would tear that down, that he would destroy that, he would rebuild it with an accurate, right picture of himself. This, this is why we do things like this, right? That's an awkward thing to ask you to stare at every Sunday, a black curtain. But we ask, we, we, we put that up there because the picture behind it is not an accurate picture of Jesus. It's just, it's, it's a pale-faced, European-looking, straight-haired, blue-eyed man. That's not what Jesus looked like. So looking at a wrong picture of Jesus isn't helpful if we're trying to get a right picture of Jesus. It'd be the same. We'd cover, if it was a picture of a person up there handing out $100 bills, we'd cover it up. Because it's not the right picture. It's not who Jesus is. His identity matters. Having his identity continue to be revealed to us matters. That's what we're here for. That's why, that's why we sit under the word and why we try to come together to, to, to listen to what God is saying so that we would know who he is. Because when we, when we can see him rightly, scripture is clear that we, our, our, our lives get oriented correctly. That's our, that's our hope today. <clears throat> so if I were to say, who is Jesus? Let's just say we went out of this room Right? Went out onto the streets and just asked any random person, say, all right, I, I, we're talking about the identity of Jesus. Tell me, tell me one thing about him. Who is Jesus? C call out something. What would you hear? Messiah? Son of God? This took one guess in the night. Radiance of God. These are great. I love these. Savior? Good. We haven't gotten the one that I was looking for. It came out first in the 9 a.m. Yeah. My guess is it wouldn't take you long before somebody would say, he was a good teacher. Right? Did somebody say that? Yeah. All those other things that you said are true. I'm not, those are, those, are, those are true. But it wouldn't take you long before somebody said, oh yeah, that Jesus, he was a good teacher. What does that mean? If this is the person that we are giving our lives for, what, I want to see that rightly. Mark 4 introduces us to the, the main teaching section that Mark includes in his gospel. There's, there's much less of Jesus' teaching in this gospel than in any other gospel. Matthew and Luke have long teaching sections where you'd find chapters and chapters of letter if you have the red letter Bibles, right? In, in Mark, there's still plenty of Jesus talking, but we don't get these long teaching sections like we do in some of the other Gospels. But chapter 4 is one of them, where we get several parables in a row where the good teacher, I'm not disagreeing with that, I think Jesus was a great teacher, but what does that mean? The good teacher starts teaching. So what does it mean that Jesus is a, 
is a good teacher? What does it mean for him to reveal himself in this, in this way? So here's what I want to do. I'm going to walk through the, the parable. Um, in, in many of your Bibles, this might be called uh, the headline on the top. might say, Parable of the Sower. It's, it's probably better because uh, the sower is assumed but not really talked about too much. Um, probably better the parable of the seeds or maybe even the parable of the soils because uh, those are the ones that we see uh, causing different reactions and responses. Um, I want to walk through this, this parable. It's always helpful when you're preaching a sermon on a text that Jesus then turns around and explains right afterwards. And so we will just, we will just use that and let Jesus speak to us as a, as a good teacher. Um, and then we'll come back to... So, so who is he as a good teacher? What does that even mean? <clears throat> All right. Chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. It says, Jesus began to teach by a lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake. This obviously would have been for uh, to be up a little higher where people could see him, where uh, uh, he could project and people could hear him, uh, probably created a little space where those that were trying to be healed could keep their distance a little bit so that he had time to talk without being interrupted. Uh, all of those things happening. So he's out in a boat on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge and he taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, verse 3, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he, scat, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. So here's the, 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 the picture of the story is, um, as most of Jesus' parables are, they're just everyday interactions. This would be in an agrarian society. They're used to growing plants. And so he tells a story of, hey, there's a, there, there's a farmer, and he's just got seed, and he's going out, and he's just casting it. He's just throwing it out. He's just trying to grow something, we assume, that's not explicitly said, but we assume the, the only reason why you would throw seed out is because what's in the seed would, would grow, right? So he's going out and scattering this, this seed and throwing it out, and we get four different responses. It says, as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it up. Jesus explains that the bird is, is Satan. The, the, the first the first interaction that this seed has is with a dry, barren path where the seed just sits right on the surface. I want you to picture these soils almost, almost bodily, right? So from the top, we get the top right here, the surface, coming down into my, into my head, into my thought process, coming down. Ultimately, if something is going to actually change me, it's going to have to come down here into my heart and change who I am, right? This seed came and hit right on the surface and just stopped right there. Is surface level. I mean, literally what Jesus is saying. It is right here on the surface. And so anything can come along and just take that thing away. It just has no protection at all from being removed. And Jesus says that the removal would be the evil one, right? That the evil one is wanting that seed would not bear fruit, so it can't take root, so it can't get down in the soil. And so if it's on, if it's on the surface, that bird can and, and pick it up and, and take it away. It is a surface level hearing of the word, right? The seed is the word of God and it's just sitting right there on the surface. This was probably me for the first 18 years of my life. 
It's not that I probably never heard the gospel, but I have absolutely no memory of it. I, if, I, if, if I heard the gospel, I was deaf to it. And it, it wasn't because I was against it. It was because I was so uninterested, I don't even have memory of it. It just sat right there on the surface and got taken away with no problem at all. Some of you might be there right now. Some of you might be able to think back to times in your life where that has been true of you. The gospel was preached, the word of God came forward, and you don't even remember it. It just went away like it was nothing. What, what keeps the ground hard where the seed would sit on the path where it can be taken away that easy? It, it is likely because we are absolutely uninterested in whatever the seed's trying to grow. Maybe you might be sitting there thinking, I think somebody else needs to hear this message. And so you're thinking about their heart, not your own. And this message is sitting right on the top for you, and it's going to be taken away for you. You're hoping that it gets into somebody else's heart, but God's trying to get it into yours, and it's just sitting right here on the surface because all you're thinking about is them. Maybe it's because you're not interested at all. You're too worried about what's going on. Maybe, maybe right now, literally to my words right now, you are thinking about what needs to get done today. And so you're not interested. This is a waste of time. This is a distraction from what is really important. What's really important is waiting for you outside those doors and you will get to it. So this message right here is sitting on the top. It's sitting right there on the surface. Maybe it's, you already know it. I, I was convicted as I was singing songs after preaching this message on the first service, I think sometimes the, the, the reason that the word of God for me sits on the surface is because I'm thinking about how to say it well instead of live it well. I'm thinking about you and trying to sound good and not thinking about what is this trying to do to me. And Jesus says, that seed right there on the surface is going to be taken away. The evil one is real. He does not want the word of God to take root. That's soil one. Soil two, rocky places. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root this isn't on the surface. It gets down one layer, but it's shallow. It springs up quickly. It's a flash in the pan. It looks like there's growth. There's green quickly, right? We got a seed. It went down in the dirt, and all of a sudden, you got that sprout. This is the way my garden looks most of the time. It's really exciting because you get that sprout, and then two weeks later, you don't have anything anymore. It's like, what the heck? They all sprouted. Where did they all go? Something's wrong. Literally, something's wrong with my soil. The seed has the plant in it, but something's wrong with my soil. I don't know if it's too much water, too little water, too much fertilizer, too little. I, I don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong with the soil because it sprouted up quickly, but it didn't last. Sometimes our faith looks like this. For the first couple years in, in, in college, this was what my faith looked like. I, I, I started to, to hear the gospel preached, and, and it and it provided benefit to me. It was exciting. Friends, some things started happening. I felt like God was doing something, so I would run after it, but then those things would dry up and things would get hard, and so I'd run just as hard away from it as I possibly could. The same, the same speed that I was running towards it, I was running away from it, back and forth, back and forth, because I, I didn't really trust in this thing. This thing was just a hope that it would, might give me something good, but if it wasn't giving me anything good, then I was turning away from it to go find something good somewhere else. It's the rocky places. It's shallow. You might get what you want for a season. But trial is the test of whether that seed will grow. Third soil, the thorns. 
Verse 7, other, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Thorns are designed to grab. Right? I was out throwing the frisbee with my daughter uh, a couple weeks ago, and it, and it kind of went down this, uh, down this embankment in our hood, and, and she, went, she went down to go get it, but then started sliding, and all of a sudden I hear her screaming, because her leg is just grabbed by all these thorns, Right? They're just designed to grab, to choke, to hold, to pull. Everything in the way that they grow is meant to take something that could be good and grab onto it to suck the life out of it. Jesus says the thorns that are, that are grabbing onto this seed, that it's growing up, he, he, he says there's, there's three different things that continually grab at you. Right? You have seed in you right now because you've sat under the, the teaching of the word, you've read the word, you've spoken about the word, you've prayed about the word, you have seed in you right now, but there are thorns that we must be careful of. Worries, wealth, wants. What worries do you have that would take you away from the word of God? What desire for wealth do you have? What wants do you have in your life? The seed's trying to grow in the soil, but when we get entangled in these other things, it chokes out what God is doing. It chokes out the plant. That's the third soil. The fourth soil, this one gets the least explanation. Verse 8 says, Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop. Some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Jesus, when he's explaining it, all the other ones he provides some explanation. The bird is saved. He's taking away the word. The, the thorns are the, the desires and the worries. Uh, the, uh, the, the rocky places are, are when, when trial and temptation come. This one, he just repeats it. He just says, yep, and some seed fell. And it bore fruit. Some, some fruit, 30. I, I don't know. How do you measure 30? Is 30 a lot or a little? I don't know. 30. Some, some a little bit more. Some, some seemingly a, a whole lot more. Seemingly the quantity is not what matters. Just the fact that the seed did what it was intended to. It bore fruit. The, the, the farmer scattered the seed with the intent that the plant would grow, that the, that the plant would, would bear fruit. And some soil accomplished the desired intent. Some soil bore fruit. <clears throat> I want to make a, a, a couple quick observations about, um, about this parable in general before we come back to our, 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 our question of Jesus as a, as a teacher. Here's, here's let me, let me, uh, set the stage for Jesus as a teacher, though. It's impossible to read this story and not be thinking, okay, so how do I become good soil, right? Is that what you're thinking? I hope. How would I know if I'm good soil? How do I not be rocky soil or a barren path? Or how do I not let thorns come in? How, how do I become good soil? And, and Jesus doesn't teach us. He doesn't say that. He's not giving you the step-by-step, here's how to become good, good soil, but he's a good teacher. So what does that mean? A few observations first. 
all the parables that Jesus, or basically all of the parables that Jesus uh, says when he's, when, when he's teaching um, with very few, explan- or very few exceptions, this being one of them, start, the kingdom of heaven is like. Most of the parables are pertaining to the kingdom of heaven, meaning this story that I'm telling you is about what God's way is. It's about what the kingdom is. And so just some, just some simple observations on the kingdom from this, from this parable. This kingdom casts a wide net, right? Seemingly without discretion. It's not trying to pick and choose. It's not trying to decide this looks like the most receptive and this looks like the least receptive. Let's not focus here. Let's only focus there. It seemingly is just casting a wide net. Some of us are thinking, I I want to share the gospel, but I'm going to go find the person that I think would be the most receptive. This parable just says, share. Just spread it. Just, Just cast the net. Just share the seed. Spread the message. When, when, uh, when, I th- when I think about this, this parable, though, at its, at its core, if we're thinking about this is how the kingdom is, is spreading, we're, we're really saying that this kingdom is just opposite to every other kingdom that we, can, that we can think of, right? It is spreading by going into the ground and dying so that plants can grow And by definition, it's playing the long game, not anything fast. It's not trying to conquer anything or spread anything by force or by violence or by coercion or by oppression. It's trying to come in and throw seed everywhere and just see what comes up. And and, and really, anything that that looks quick and and like it's going to be success is, is not what we're after. We're playing the long game. We're after something that's That's long. That's got time not as a concern. It's a castle wide net, it's playing the long game. The last last thing that I just want to say the kingdom is spreading by the word of God, the seed. It's going into soil. Is us, right? Is 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 human hearers. This kingdom is a by definition a co laborer. I think sometimes we can get into a picture of the gospel, and I want to be careful how I say this, because this is like more than a half truth. It's like almost all the way true. It is very, very, very true, except, right? Sometimes we get into this picture of the gospel where we say, it is all God, and I'm nothing. And that's true, except seed needs soil. God desires to grow his kingdom through the spreading of his word by putting it in you. Not because he needs you like we need him, but because that is his plan. To spread his kingdom by spreading seed and putting it into soil, which is the hearts of humans. Which means you aren't nothing. You are hugely valuable to this plan that God has to spread his kingdom. You're dirt. But essential dirt Essential dirt. That wasn't even meant to be a joke. <laughs> Let me tell you a story of seed being sown. 
This is from um, a newsletter from one of our missionaries, Hannah, who's over in Southeast Asia. Um, she's educated and trained here uh, to be a marine biologist and then just recently over the summer moved over to Southeast Asia to work in that field. Uh, but the intent of working in that field in that part of the world is to take this word and spread seed. Right? right now, she's over there in her first couple years, which basically she's committed the first couple years to just learning the language so that then she can go do the work that she's there to do, but also so that she can spread the seed. She can, she can say the word. This is from her newsletter two weeks ago. If you're interested, if you want her newsletter, you can come find me afterwards. I'll, I'll connect you to it. She says, there's a woman here. <clears throat> I'll call her Miss Sari, who's a cousin. A cousin is a code word for the religion of the land. She owns a little shop on the side street, and my roommate and another friend have been meeting with her for the past several months just to talk and spend time with her. My roommate one time asked if we could come back and share Sarita Navi, which means stories from the prophets, implied that she means read from our Bible, and she was happy to have us come back and read to her grandchildren and the kids that run around the streets. We've been going back now once a week for several weeks each time reading about a different Navi or prophet. She seems to keep up and ask questions. She urges the kids to listen. And then yesterday, she had to leave for a few minutes while we were there. But before she left, she suggested that the kids gather around us for another Sarita Navi. This was so encouraging. It was Something that we did not initiate. It was, it was something that she initiated. It's clearly welcomed and encouraged by her. And she's not afraid of our book. One of her little kids, I'll call her Mary, sat and listened and answered our questions. She's only five, but she was keeping up quite well. This is the first glimpse that I've had of what it's like to do work here. I can't speak the language well enough to help, although I understand a lot of what's being said. But the Holy Spirit does not need help. Would you, ple would you please pray for Miss Mary, Miss Sari, and Mary. That's the kingdom. I mean, you just picture, think right now, we have two really violent, intense wars going on in this country trying to spread kingdoms, one in Ukraine, one Israel, Palestine. And this is how God spreads his kingdom. With a few women and a handful of kids sitting on a back street in Southeast Asia considering what God might be saying. It's not force. It's not a land grab. It's not coercion. It's seed being planted in the hearts of people. It's powerful. It's happening right now. Seeds being thrown in this room. It's, it's not me. I get to be the, 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 the deliverer. It's not me. It's, it's, it's seed. And so we come back to this question again. How do I become good soil? And how is Jesus a good teacher if he doesn't answer that question? Right? If, 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 if I were to say, or you were to say, that person was a great teacher, what would you be saying? You would be saying almost 
by assumption, they took something and made it understandable. They made it clear to me, right? Maybe it was something that was really complex and complicated, but they, but they explained it or communicated it in a way where I really understood it. They helped me understand. I love Jesus as a teacher. In some ways, he's the opposite of that. He takes that question that you're asking, okay, Jesus, how do I become good soil? And he says, he who has ears, let them hear. Mark does this cool thing uh, several times in his, in his gospel where he'll, he'll take a story and, and in some ways cut it in half and I'll put, a, put another story in the middle that's connected but not quite, the, not quite the same. We see it in chapter 3 where Jesus is interacting with his family and in the middle he has this interaction with the religious leaders. We'll see it again in chapter 5 when, when Jesus is interacting with Jairus and his daughter and, uh, and then this, the, the story of the bleeding woman is in between. Uh, scholars call this the Markin sandwich where he takes two, two stories and he puts them together, but not side by side. He puts one in the middle of the first, right? And, and in, in some ways, it, it's, it's helping us say, you can gain understanding from the, from the top parts of this sandwich by understanding the meat in the middle. So let's look at the meat in the middle. Because at best, this is complicated and confusing. At worst, it's very difficult to hear. Jesus tells the story up to verse 8 and verse 9. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. And then in verse 10, we get the middle of the sandwich. He says, it says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. And he told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. So that, and then he quotes from Isaiah 6. They may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, and ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. We say a good teacher is somebody who makes it clear. And Jesus, the great teacher, says, I teach this way because I want to make it not clear. That's strange, right? Can we just, I, maybe for some of us, not me, I didn't, but maybe for some of you that grew up in Sunday school, parables were explained as like, oh, it's a very simple message to the way that we can teach lessons, like a fable or a moral story. Jesus right here says, no, that, that is the opposite of what I'm doing. I'm not, I'm not making a simple message. I'm, I'm telling it in a way that would show the complexity of what this thing is. And for some, it will continue to, to confuse and confound them. And some, it will just lead to their destruction. Why does he teach this way? What is he what is he doing? Some, some, some people would say that this parable is the parable of all parables, right? Meaning it's the parable that helps us understand how to read the parables. Which even in that, just the fact that Jesus is telling somewhat of a con confusing story to help us understand other confusing stories sh shows wh what is this teacher doing? How am I to understand this when really I just want to know how to become good soil? I just want to bear fruit, Jesus. How do I become good soil? I think the middle of the sandwich really is our, is our answer. 
Catch this, catch this. He's, he's saying, I speak in parables so that it's not clear to those on the outside. But to you, he's talking to the 12, to the disciples. To you, it's clear. But they just ask him, what does this mean? It's not clear to them. I think Jesus is saying, it's clear to you because you're asking. How is it that you become good soil? It's not that you have all the answers and you got it figured out. It's that you're hungry to know what this is about. Is that you'd be willing to come to me and ask. I speak this way so that those who are not interested would not hear this at all and they'd continue on in their ways. But for those that are interested, they would come and ask. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I speak this way because I want to see your hunger. I'm not teaching this way so that you can check all the boxes and you know all the answers and you can always say the right thing. If you think Christianity is being able to say the right thing, you have not read this book. It is confusing. This book is meant to stoke hunger, not just right answers. If God wanted you to be able to fill in all the blanks, he'd have given you a different book. But if he wanted you to be hungry, this is the one. This is the one. If Jesus wanted to give the disciples all the right answers, he'd have taught in a different way. But if he wanted to be hungry, teach him parables. So that they come and they ask. I don't think that that quotation of Isaiah, I don't think is, is, is trying to say, I'm speaking this way because I'm making sure that they never understand. I think he's saying, I'm speaking this way because they have no interest. If they had interest, they would come and ask, and then they would turn and be forgiven. But they don't have ears to hear or eyes to see. Their mind's on something else. They think they got all the right answers already. They think they have it all figured out. They're worried about different things. This is not for them. They're not interested. It's not that Jesus isn't trying to reach them. He's saying, he's, he's preaching to the crowds. He's preaching over and over to the crowds. He starts this whole parable saying, listen, every one of you. He's calling. But the soil's not ripe. Because the interest isn't there. Because there's no hunger. The power of the kingdom growing is in the seed. But, but what lets that seed turn into something that bears fruit is the condition of the soil that this parable explains. And what is the condition of the soil but the posture of our hearts? Are you hungry? Do you want this? Is this worth interrupting your to-do list? I'm not saying, am I worth it? Is this hour worth it? Is this moment on this Sunday morning worth it? Is this worth it? Is Jesus worth it? Is your faith worth it? That you would set those things aside and say, I got to know more, Jesus. I want the answers. It's clear to the disciples because the disciples are hungry. Because they're asking. Because they want it. Band, you can come on back up. <clears throat> Jesus being a good teacher is true. 
But again, if we're trying to understand the identity of Jesus and see him rightly and be clear on who he is and let him shape our perception of him instead of us make up our own perception of him, we can't think of the good teacher as somebody who just dumbs down all the messages and gives us all the answers and then we can go live our own life. He's the good teacher because he takes the profound things of the kingdom and says, here, spend your life with me exploring them. Come, come to me if you're hungry, if you want it, if you're curious, if you desire it, it's right here for you. It's right Pray. We'll sing. In this, in, in this, this song um, that, we're, that we're about to sing, um, there are several lines in there that speak to the desire that we have for him and us being willing to give up everything for him. And I, maybe this is just me confessing my own personal conviction as I was singing this in the first service, um, but I want to encourage you to not say those words without thinking about them and recognizing what you're saying. If you're saying, I give my life away, maybe in your mind say, Jesus, I really want to give my life away. Help me hunger for you in a way that would allow me to do that open-handedly. Instead of just saying words on a screen. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Seed that can be sown. We pray that our hearts would be good soil. I pray right now that you would clear out the rocks. You'd soften the barren, dry path. Tear up the thorns. We could hunger and thirst for your word. That your seed would be planted in us. That it would bear fruit. Thank you for being a good teacher that leads us to meditation, that leads us to question asking, that leads us to curiosity, that leads us to hunger, that leads us for more. Soften our hearts. Let us be open to your word for your glory and our good. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Church Podcast. Whether this is your first time with us or you find the Lord moving you to engage differently or just learn more about who we are, we encourage you to find us at our website.